gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. to another episode of the my two cents podcast hosted by g2 i am g2 this is episode 131 and for people that are new to this podcast i want to say hello um for people that are not aware on my sunday episodes i am here to talk to you guys about the news that happened uh within that current week and sometimes the news topics that i bring up will already be talked about fully like done to death in certain topics you don't know about or at least you're not well aware of so i'm here to just bring you guys the topics but before i do that i do go into a segment i call the national food days of the week and i'm about to do that right now today being june the 18th it is father's day there is nothing here for today tomorrow though june 19th it is martini day so please drink responsibly after that june 20th it is ice cream soda day as well as vanilla milkshake day June 21st, Peaches and Cream Day. June 22nd, Onion Ring Day, as well as Chocolate Eclair Day. June 23rd, Pecan Sandy Day. And to round this off, on June 24th, it is Parlene's Day. Now that I've gotten that segment out of the way, I do want to say, first and foremost, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I do want to show my appreciation to everyone that is a father to have children, or you might have adopted somebody else's kids and you treat them as your own, I want to say congratulations to you. And I would like to say, please enjoy your day as best as you can, whether it be chilling out with your family or your family just giving you that day to just relax. I hope that you're able to just relax because fathers, they play an important part in a family dynamic. You got to have a mother, father, certain people have two fathers, certain people have a family dynamic where a father has single custody or part-time custody and they always got to pair it off with The spouse in the situation point being a father is meant to be in a kid's life and is meant to show a kid how they're supposed to act properly. Same way a mother does, but a father more strong handed in certain uh, kids lives. But a father is just supposed to show not only a son, but also their daughter, how they're supposed to act, treat people, but also be that enforcing body just to say, hey. I'm here if you guys want to talk about something or if you guys are into some type of deep trouble, I'm here to try to get you guys out of it. That's what a father and mother's supposed to do, but today is about the father. So again, give my credit to all the fathers out there. Now with the giving of props to the fathers out of the way, I want to start off with international news. The first thing I want to talk about as this come from Metro, as the title would read, woman pushed 160 feet to her death down Cinderella Castle Raven is named. A woman who was killed by a man who threw her down a castle cliff has been named as Eva Lou. The 21-year-old from Naperville, Illinois, died after a man also from the U.S. attacked her and her friend at a castle in Germany. Her friend, Kelsey Chang, 22, survived. The pair had met a fellow American tourist on a hiking path on Wednesday afternoon, local police said. He reportedly then lured them to a viewpoint area near to a bridge. The man then physically attacked Eva. When Kelsey tried to intervene, he choked her and pushed her down a steep slope. The man then allegedly 
attempted to sexually assault Eva before pushing her down the slope as well. Now, she fell down 165 feet, ending up close to her friends. A mountain rescue would recover both ladies as shock tourists would watch on. The suspect left the scene, but he was arrested shortly afterwards. Kelsey was responsive and taken to a hospital while Eva was flown by helicopter to the hospital with serious injuries and died there overnight. Kelsey and Eva were both recent graduates of University of Illinois' Urbana campaign last month. Uh, the university would send out a statement and they would say that they are mourning the senseless death of Miss Liu and the attack on Miss Chang. Now, having said all of that, I want to give my condolences to Eva Liu's family for um, losing a daughter because of this senseless attack. I don't understand a lot of things in life. I don't understand how a weirdo can just walk up to someone and try to conversate with them and in the back of their mind say, okay, I'm just going to try to sexually assault one of them and try to ultimately kill them after I'm done doing what I want to do. It never, ever hits my brainwave of that. That takes a special type of sick mind to think of that. And before I get off of this topic, I forgot to mention the suspect's name, the alleged suspect. His name is Eric Arberni. He's 30 years old. Um, so yeah, we have the suspect's name. He's taken into custody. And we just got to wait and see what type of charges he'll be facing with this. I don't like it, but again, this just happened and not a lot of information is out about it. So I'm going to wait and see what comes out and whenever information comes out, I'll come back here to provide it with you guys. Now, on to the next international topic before I get to United States news. This is something important that I think every parent needs to listen to if you plan on going to Japan. Uh, as it's come from AFP, Japan raises age of consent from 13 to 16 years old. Japan's age of consent was raised from 13 among the world's lowest to 16 years old on Friday as lawmakers passed key reforms to sex crime litigation. The reforms, which also clarify rape prosecution requirements and criminalize voyeurism, clear parliament's upper house and a unanimous vote. Campaigners welcomed the reforms with Tokyo-based group Human Rights Now, calling them a big step forward. The lifting of age of consent in particular will send a message to society that sexual violence by adults against children is unacceptable, the group said in a statement to the age of consent, below which sexual activity is considered Statutory rape is 16 in Britain, 15 in France, 14 in Germany and China. China has been unchanged since 1907 with children aged 13 and above deemed capable of consent. So now that they changed that is now of the age of 16. I'm still not rocking with the age of 16, but in certain states in America, they've got that as the age over here. So I'm not going to totally like condemn Japan for that, but I'm glad that they did jump the age from 13 to 16 just think about it the government thinks that a 13 year old has the clear state of mind to say yep they're ready for sexual activity no they're just starting to know their body they're just starting to mess around with their bodies if you know what i mean they're starting to hit puberty or they already are entering puberty at the age of 13 they're just trying to figure things out so i'm glad they jumped it up from 13 to 16 so japan could job and hopefully Everything in Japan will uh, follow suit, and hopefully within a couple of years they'll actually raise it up more because, eh, sixteen just still seems too wild to me. I understand kids are having sex at the age of sixteen, people are having babies at the age of sixteen, 
but for an a adult adult person like the age of 30 to mess around with a 16 year old i still find that weird 18 just in my american brain that just seems like the common age to keep it at but again i'm americanized i'm not over there in japan so their government and their rules and regulation are completely different from over here so again congratulations to japan for jumping up the age from 13 to 16 good job hopefully you guys will pop it up more but i'm just gonna mind my business on that one now, going over to U.S. news, I want to talk about the southern states. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about the states of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, Oklahoma, Virginia. The states that got hit with like tornadoes and thunderstorms this past week because they lost like people in these states. Certain people are still without uh, electricity. Certain people lost their homes. Certain people lost businesses in these storms and tornadoes throughout the south this week so i want to give my condolences to these people because once you are in a situation like certain thunderstorms are terrible like the rain be so bad that it could crush a house the wind can push tree over to crash on a house or just come so close to a house that it only tears it up a little bit and you have to live with that until someone at least from the government has to come over to try to help you guys out because this was a government, not government, but a wind disaster and the government usually comes out to help. But you get my drift here. Um, people lost homes, they lost businesses in thunderstorms and tornadoes in like these storms these past couple of days. And I just want to give my condolences and well wishes to these people because when you saw the imagery on the news and you see the imagery that's out here online, it doesn't look pretty at all. Again, certain people are still without electricity. Certain people had hail, like, coming on their yard and all that kind of garbage. It is crazy when you think about it. But, again, I want to give my well wishes to these uh, individuals that lost their homes and just lost their livelihood, in a way, because of storms and tornadoes. So, my heart are out to you guys. And also to Ray Lewis, football player, Hall of Famer Ray Lewis, his... Uh, son Ray Lewis III, he happened to die uh, this week, and as it was reported from TMZ Sports, according to the cops, um, cops would say that Ray Lewis' son died from an overdose. TMZ Sports obtained the overdose report from police in Florida. It says Lewis apparently died from an accidental overdose. Police say they responded to a call for a medical emergency and found an unresponsive Lewis who was getting CPR from a friend while another friend was screaming for Narcan, a drug used during overdoses. Cops say Lewis was lying naked in a room between a bed and a wall, and he was not breathing. Police say they administered Narcan in his right nostril, but there was no response. The report also says cops searched the room and found a blue pill under Lewis's body, which they unofficially announced as Alprazolam. The drug is found in brands like Xanax. Police also say there was a used needle at the scene, plus a small plastic bag found inside of an empty beer can. So Ray Lewis, he has to bury one of his uh, kids. It's not um, something any parent would like to do. No parent wants to ever bury their kid. It's always the other way around. Parents want their kids to bury them. So for Ray Lewis now to have to do this for his son, it's uh, very unfortunate. And especially with this being Father Day weekend, well, Father Day weekend, but Father Day week, uh, 
his son having to pass away this week on Father Day week. It's crazy. So now when you when you think about these holidays, because people do it, and you associate what the holiday is supposed to mean, Ray Lewis now every Father's Day when it comes about, he will always have to remember the death of one of his kids. It's going to be extremely sad. So I hope Ray Lewis has a strong uh positive family around him, to be completely honest. I hope the family is going to be strong, not just for Ray Lewis, but also for themselves because he has siblings that lost a brother now. And they're going to need that guidance. So I hope that that whole Ray Lewis family can come together and be strong in this time of need right now. So again, my heart and my condolence is out to that family as well. Now, moving away from that, now on to the first official news topic here, as it's come from Insider, as the title would read, a man drowned snorkeling in Hawaii on his honeymoon while rescuers scrambled to help thieves stole the couple's cell phones, wallets, and their rental car. A California man who was in Hawaii for his honeymoon drowned while snorkeling, but the tragedy didn't stop there. While a rescue attempt was underway, thieves stole the couple's rental car, leaving the newly widowed woman without their cell phones, wallets, money, and clothing, police said, according to NBC Bay Area. Stephen Hahn, who worked at an Apple store in California's Silicon Valley, died on June 1st while snorkeling near Electric Beach in Hawaii, according to the reports. The 49-year-old was on honeymoon with his wife for only three months, Brittany Hahn. Local TV station KITV said that Han was pulled to shore by a spear diver after he disappeared underwater while snorkeling. Bystanders administered CPR before first responders appeared. Han was then transported to a nearby hospital where he died. Now, a friend would set up a GoFundMe fundraiser for Han and confirmed that he had drowned and that the couple's possessions, including their rental car, were stolen at the same time. Now, having said all that, I want to wish my condolences to Brittany Hahn as she's going through this uh, terrible time of losing a husband. And just to think, you're on your honeymoon and your spouse happens to pass away on your honeymoon while you guys were doing an activity or your spouse was doing an activity. It's just not the way you would like to start off your newly blissed of a relationship that you guys now celebrating. Um... And also for the scum that were going in and stealing this couple's rental car, their cell phone, their wallet, the money, and clothing. You guys are scum. I don't know what type of world we're living in. I get it. You're supposed to be aware of your surroundings when you go to a new location. I truly get it. But whenever someone is drowning or somebody leaves their possessions on the ground and then someone is not there to pick it up and... You just decide, well, I'm going to take their car, I'm going to take their cell phone, I'm going to take their cash. Listen, I understand we've seen it from time to time. People seeing a wallet on the ground, they take the cash and they just dip out like that. Cool. It's not cool, but at least that's one thing, okay? Money can be replaced. You mean to tell me you took somebody's rental car, you took somebody's clothing, you took someone's cell phone, you're taking their whole entire, like, stock right there. And you're leaving them with nothing. That is a dickhead move. I don't know who raised them up or what type of game of hustle this is. This is not the way you go about certain things. This isn't it. This this right here wasn't it. A man lost his life. A woman lost her husband. What are we doing here with 
thieves just stealing people's stuff. But, hey, it is what it is over there in Hawaii. If you guys are going to Hawaii or you're going to any type of island area, please know that people are going to steal your stuff if you just leave it just willy-nilly. And also, even if you go to another, what, I would say country too, people might steal your stuff, so please know where you're going. Please know the people that are in the area that you're going to, and please know the area. Um, but this whole story is just sad all around. Now, speaking from one death to another, as this comes from Daily Beast, and it's talking about Vermont. The Vermont trust fund kid accused of killing his mother at sea dies while he awaited trial. Nathan Carmen, the Vermont man accused of slaying his mom and dumping her body in the Atlantic during a 2016 fishing trip, died on Thursday, federal prosecutors announced. Nathan, who was 29, was slated to go to trial in October on murder and fraud charges surrounding the death of his mother, Linda Carmen, who prosecutors say Nathan killed in order to boost his share of the family's multi-million dollar estate. He was being hailed without bond at the time of his death, and his cause of death wasn't immediately released. The United States received information from the U.S. Marshal that Nathan died on or about June 15, 2023, a filing from federal prosecutors said dismissal of the charges against Nathan is thus appropriate. Uh, duh. The man can't stand trial, so yeah, the charges are no longer there. Um, the attorney representing Nathan told VT Digger that his client's death was a tragedy and that he's numb. He said he had no details on the nature of his death. He also added that Nathan was being held at a jail in New Hampshire and was in good spirits about his upcoming trial as recently as Wednesday night. Now, for people that do not remember this, I'm going to give you a quick little detail about it. Uh, Nathan went with his mom. And they went boating, and he was the only one that came back. Police started to wonder who did he go out uh, fishing with. He told the police his mom, yada, yada, yada. They find out that he has an inheritance of $7 million, and they start putting the pieces together, saying that he killed his mom so he can collect his $7 million inheritance. And money being the root of everything and making the world go around, that's why they stuck this with him since he was literally the last person to see his mother alive so it will make sense for him to kill his mom now i don't know if he did do it didn't do it that's not for me to decide you would think that he did because seven million dollars is a lot to kill someone for especially whenever it's an inheritance and you're looking capture that inheritance whenever someone wants to either give it to you or the person that's over your trust or whoever dies, and then it becomes directly over to you. Now, with Nathan being dead, he's not able to stand trial for the justice system, the legal system, to either say he was guilty of said killing his mom or not guilty of doing it. And that just will be a question mark just all around. So it is what it is on this one. I wanted to give everybody an update on this because I don't think this was talked about. This just happened on a Thursday. I don't remember nobody talking about it on a Friday. So there you go. That's just an update for you. Now to another update. Daniel Penny. He would be indicted this week on the death of Jordan Neely. Um, they do not expound on what charges he will be facing. 
um, they would be expected that he'll be going into, well, arraignment June the 28th for him to be officially charged with whatever they're going to charge him with. Again, I have my feelings on this. I have my feelings towards this situation because not a lot has been officially put out yet. So I'm going to wait until more information comes out as in like bystanders come out what happened on the train from their end. So I'm going to wait for that all to be coming out. But I do have to read you guys a similar type of case that's kind of going down that happened this past week as it was reported by the Daily News. And the title would read, Ex-Con Stab Death Harassing Riders on Brooklyn Subway Train. Manslaughter charge for suspect case is similar to Jordan Neely uh, death. A Queens man faces a manslaughter charge in the stabbing death of an ex-con who harassed riders on a Brooklyn-bound subway train, police said Thursday. Jordan Williams, who was 20, is also charged with weapons possession in the death of De Victor Odrago. 36, during a brawl on a J-train as it headed over the Williamsburg Bridge at about 8.10 p.m. on Tuesday, said cops. De Victor had just harassed a woman on the train with Williams and his companion intervened according to sources and videos of the incident. As the train headed over the bridge into Brooklyn, De Victor, who appeared to be drunk, started harassing commuters. Multiple witnesses told police two videos shared with the Daily News also showed him fathering strap hangers. His actions sparked an argument with Williams and a woman accompanying him, and the feud quickly turned into a bloody brawl as the train pulled into the Marcy Avenue station in Williamsburg, cops would say. Now, they would say in one video shown by the Daily News, they would show Victor, who was wearing a shirt, and he slurred his words, getting in the face of a young man seated on the train, minding his own business, as the strap hanger tried his best not to respond, Victor began gyrating in front of him. The video shows. At the end of the video, another commuter shows up and tries to calm Victor and hand him his shirt. Now, a second video will show and Bedlam on the train car as fight breaks out between Victor and Jordan. Victor was apparently bothering a woman seated on the train when another woman in a tan dress started screaming at him, Don't touch her, you piece of crap, one woman screamed. Now you'll see Jordan Williams run over and started grappling with DeVictor. The commuter who earlier tried to calm down DeVictor tried to pull both of them apart. Commuters ran to the back of the subway car as both of the men clashed. The video was show. After a few moments, DeVictor backed away and his chest was covered in blood. The video would show. You just stabbed him. Another man on the train asked Williams, you're going to jail. Now a wounded DeVictor remained upright for a few more seconds before stumbling out of the train when the doors opened and collapsing on the platform, according to the sources. He was taken to a hospital in New York, but could not be saved. So, that would happen. Williams and his companion remained on the train after the argument. They were apprehended a few stops down the line. Uh, the folding blade used in the attack was found in Williams' possession. The couple was taken in for questioning. The woman was later uh, not arrested. She was released after Detectives learned she did not take part in the stabbing. Williams, however, remained in custody, stated Wednesday. Now, here's my situation with this. Now, with this situation, comparing it to the Jordan Neely situation, the victor, as it was stated from the news, at least that's what this saying from Daily News, to be more specific, from them talking about what's on the video, 
Vader was touching people. From what has been discussed from the news and everything else so far right now, Jordan Neely was touching no one. So that's the reason why people are getting at Daniel Penny for even touching Jordan Neely and ultimately killing Jordan Neely. While here we have DeVictor who was touching people, grinding up on people, gyrating. And Jordan Williams, he was just a guy who was there with his uh, companion. And he happened to overhear a woman scream, don't effing touch her, you piece of crap. So with just being a man because people will say that a man's supposed to step in or somebody else, whatever the case may be. It could be man, woman, whoever. Just this happens to be Jordan Williams here. He steps in and he happens to poke up the victor. And that's why he's in jail right now because he had a weapon and he poked up the dude. Now more information and more evidence will come out as this more than likely will go into trial. And we'll have to wait and see if he will be getting off. Because if you have someone that is drunk and they're touching people. And again, we still live in a time where you have to take people seriously. Even when they're, they're drunk or something. Because you don't know them. You don't know a stranger. A stranger or even person that's conscious isn't supposed to be touching another person. So when you have someone that is inebriated and they're touching you. And they're getting all up in your personal space that you're not liking. And... Again, you hear somebody scream and shout. It's a problem with that. So we'll have to wait and see if more information going to come out. What's going to happen? The bystanders, the commuters, are they going to back up uh, Mr. Williams in this situation or not? We'll just have to wait and see as this comes out. The same thing with uh, Daniel Penny in the Jordan Neely situation. So, again, I want to just give my well wishes to all four uh, individuals and their families. Uh, Jordan Neely, he should be alive right now. He should not be dead. Uh, DeVictor, he should be alive not being dead. He should, at least should have gotten kicked off the train. But same thing with Mr. Neely. That's the way I feel. Somebody at least of authority should have intervened in these uh, situations instead of it being just normal, casual individuals. But hey, if we can turn back time, I guarantee people would want to change it now. But we got to live in the current situation that we're living in. So again, I do want to uh, just send my condolences out to all four of these individuals and their uh, families at this uh, time of need right now. Now on to my next topic here, as this was covered by USA Today, as the title would read, Texas Governor Greg Abbott bans DEI offices in public colleges, universities. Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill Wednesday that will prohibit diversity, equity, and inclusion offices in Texas public schools well, colleges and universities starting in 2024. Both chambers of the Texas legislature approved the final version in May of Senate Bill 17, which would ban public higher education institutions from maintaining or establishing DEI offices. It also prohibits higher education institutions from requiring anyone to provide DEI statements or participate in DEI training. The legislation defines a DEI office as one that provides different treatment to people based on race, sex, color, or <laughs> ethnicity through any policies, procedures, training, programs, or activity. Under the law, students or employees could sue universities for injective or declaratory relief if they are required to participate in any DEI training. Republican lawmakers have spent this year's legislative 
session in Texas riling against DEI offices and initiatives in higher education, which they say are divisive and causing a chilling effect on faculty and student speech. Texas students and faculty members, however, have pushed back, saying DEI offices and initiatives should remain and help people of color feel more included and thrive on campus. Now, I'm not certain how it goes down in Texas, but Texas has always gotten that bad reputation of being a highly Republican state, a state that is real, real biblical Bible belt. I mean, yes, sure, you got gay people in Texas like that. That's like the bottom that they'll do. But like getting into like gay rights and all that type of stuff, Texas is not one of the states that you kind of want to be in. And this kind of does it right here with the DEI offices. Now, for people that don't know or they haven't went to a college or university that has a DEI office, um, that is the office where people of any ethnicity, any minority can go in there and just chill out and you can have uh, basically a sit-down break. At least that's what it was at CCU, but also there were people in those offices that will help you out in any program that you were trying to get into or if there was an event that you wanted to throw on the university and someone in the university probably doesn't want to hear you, you take it to them and that office will be your backup support to try to fight to get said program or said uh, activity on the university. I know CCU, my college, my alma mater, they didn't have no problem because their offices we're always open. Anybody can come in there and just kick it and just just have a good time. I never did, but I always would walk by and I would always see people laughing, getting their work done, and just having a good time in there. And I was like, okay, cool. There would be like certain uh, events they would showcase. Like one time they had a drag show down at my college. I went because I had a student activity that I had to uh, go into. And I was like, okay, I went to my first drag show and it wasn't uh, as sexualized as people think when you think of a drag show going into it. Um, but it is what it is. You go there, you have a good time, you collaborate and you meet people that are in your exact same boat or might not be in your exact same boat. Someone that might not feel themselves, but that's their little safe haven, DEI offices. And for Texas to take that away, that is stupid. And I'm glad that they had certain uh, Texas students and faculty members trying to push back and trying to keep the DEI offices and initiatives at the university and colleges. And I hope that they continue to push back against uh, Texas governor, because this is a stupid thing. I remember Ron DeSantis, he just signed this into Florida, I believe at the beginning of May or somewhere in May, he did that because I talked about it. And I said how stupid that was. It's dumb how Straight people are trying to take something away from people that might be gay, that might be trans, that might be whatever they are. And also, I'm going to say more down the line, straight white men trying to take something away from people that are not like them. It makes no sense why they're doing this. But again, we're in America and I don't need to go about it. You can read the history books. You know what it is. I don't need to go into it. But I don't like it. I... I'm saddened for the people that's in Florida. They have their DEI offices uh, going to be taken away from them. And also Texas, they're going to have their DEI offices away from them. Well, taken away from them. So I am uh, saddened by that. But hopefully 
with the faculty and students. They can get a petition. They can try to get it sent out and try to get a lot of people to sign it. And hopefully they can get it to their uh, governor or whoever their representative is to have a fight with the governor. And hopefully they can get all that crap situated and get it back into their universities. So shout out to those that are continuing to fight the good fight and don't uh, give up. Just continue to press on and keep moving forward. Now off to Hollywood news. Since today is Father's Day, I just want to make a quick note of this. Al Pacino, he is a father once again at the age of 83. Um, his newest child was born, and don't say when, a representative for the actor came out on USA Today and announced that Al Pacino and his girlfriend are now parents. So Al Pacino, congratulations. And I don't know how long you got left, my guy. I hope you're able to spend as much time as you can with the kid before you do uh, hit the bucket because you're 83. You don't have much time on your side if we're just going to be completely honest with it. So I hope you can do whatever you can do for uh, the kid and your girlfriend. And hopefully everything will turn out right for your new baby boy and your girlfriend. Seriously, I really do mean that. But again, still weird to see an 83-year-old guy with a newborn baby but it is what it is. I'm not trying to sound like I'm hating because boy, oh boy, am I not. So again, congratulations to Al Pacino and you becoming a father once again. Now, moving away from one great actor onto another one, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner and his wife or soon-to-be ex-wife are going through a divorce. And there would be some news coming out of that this week. Um, Kevin Costner, he's trying to get his wife to vacate his home, the home that they both shared with their children. But... There are some issues with that because her lawyers will come out to the press this week and her lawyers will claim that Kevin Cosner is trying to kick out not only her, but the children of the home that the kids have ever known. Lawyers for Kevin Cosner's soon-to-be ex-wife, Christine Cosner, claims in the latest filings obtained by Insider that there is no legal bias for Cosner's request. This RFO, Request for Order, seeks to kick Christine and their three children out of the house that the children have lived in for their entire lives, Christina's lawyers allege in a document filed on Thursday. Although the legal bias for Kevin's request to kick his wife and children out of their home is all but non-existent, this is still a matter of critical importance for Christine, the lawyer added. In a legal filing of his own, Cosner claimed Christine, with whom the 86-year-old Shares three children with is refusing to leave their home despite the terms of their 2004 prenuptial agreement. Kevin Costner's legal team stated in documents that the couple's prenuptial situation that his second wife had 30 days to vacate his home once she filed for divorce. She filed in May of the 1st, but she hasn't moved out. The Oscar-winning filmmaker's team wants the court to enforce the terms of the prenup, claiming Christine's taking the position that she will not move out of Kevin's separate property residence until he agrees to various financial demands. Kevin said in his declaration published by Radar Online that he paid Christine $1 million after she filed for divorce per the prenup. However, she has ignored multiple requests to move from their Carpinteria, California compound. He said he will also give her $200,000 towards a down payment on a new home and covered the cost of her mortgage, property tax, and insurance for a year per the prenup. Additional, he'll contribute $30,000 as part of his child support obligation to help her secure a rental and advance her $10,000 for moving costs. 
In his declaration, he also said he gave Christine $100,000 when they married and $100,000 on their first wedding anniversary, which has grown in savings to $450,000, which could also be used towards the purchase of a new home. He also claimed that since April, Christine has withdrawn from his bank account or charged to his credit card $95,000 for lawyer and accountant fees without any prior notice. Now, they will continue on with finding more stuff in the filings and note that Kevin Costner did include specific housing plans in his prenup with Christine because after his divorce from his first wife in 1994, he found himself without a home base and unable to live in his own home. He never wanted to go through that again. Now, moving away from the housing situation, we move over to the children aspect of this. They would state that in the documents, they did find that the actor and his wife had agreed in concept to share custody. It's noted he had a proposal for that. He pays 100% of expenses for the children and is negotiating a summer visitation schedule for their teenage kids, which are 15, 14, and 13. And Kevin Costner's lawyer would write that Kevin has acted in good faith and has done everything in his power to make the transition as seamless as possible. But Christine continues to refuse to vacate his separate property residence as she agreed she would do in 2004 as a condition of their marriage. So they've been married for 18 years, but now, as you can see, they're divorcing. The wife did file and she would cite irreconcilable differences. Uh, she listed their split date on April the 11th. And once all this all came out, when the media started to cover Kevin Cosner's divorce, at first, there would be some chatter about Kevin Cosner probably being unfaithful on his uh, TV set of Yellowstone. I don't want to go into that. Uh, representative for Kevin Cosner has denied that is not true. So right now, we're all up in the air between Kevin Cosner and his wife. And it just seems that Kevin Cosner just wants to be safe. He wants to protect what's his. And I respect that because if you worked hard on something and you... Uh, cherish that and especially after you got railroaded from your first divorce you try to protect yourself in the best manner that you can now if all that has been written in their paperwork for the prenuptial agreements and all that crap in 2004 I don't know how long prenups usually last because it varies from state to state because I had to look that up and it says right here, the requirement for prenuptial agreements differ from state to state. If you're thinking about premarital contract, it's important to familiarize yourself with what makes a agreement enforceable in whatever state you're located in. And I had to look up California prenup laws, and I just looked it up. Is a California prenup valid after 10 years? And it would say that a California prenup is valid after 10 years. Prenups typically last the length of a marriage unless set to expire. For example, a common prenuptial provision is no spousal support unless the couple is married for at least 10 years. So that's that. So I don't know how long or if they have a expired date on their prenuptial agreement. Knowing Kevin Cosner, as his lawyer will already state, that he got railroaded his uh, first divorce and he doesn't want to go through that kind of crap again. I'm pretty sure he was going through this one with a fine uh, tooth comb. So he made sure everything was set up, and I don't know if he got a expired date or not. Just by going and reading that and hearing that from his lawyer, I would think he wouldn't have an expired date on that, to be completely honest. But that's just me thinking. 
I don't know the man. I don't know their situation. I'm only hearing about it the same way you guys are from the media. So I don't know what to say about this. I think that the $100,000 or whatever type of money that he's planning on trying to give her, no, it was $200,000 towards a down payment on a new home. For them to live in California, I don't think that's worth a lot because I see a lot of million dollar listing whenever they show off these houses here and there and especially for this would be Kevin Costner's like second wife and Kevin Costner being a big movie star actor $200,000 in a area in which she wants to more than likely live in isn't going to do much to be completely honest $200,000 I don't think in California is doing a lot I know California is high New York is high uh, Texas that's on the up that's going to be high. I just know that $200,000 is not that much for a down payment, especially in actor's row, the way it is. So Kevin Cosner, my man, you got to find a way to do something with that. You got to find something to do something with your uh, ex-wife if you want her out of your home. Now, if you want to be spiteful, you could try to really have your lawyers reinforce those provisions that you have in that 2004 prenup that you and her both signed. Now, you could do that. Or if you want to try to make it easy for her, since you guys have teenagers, you probably want to go a different route and probably try to give her more money and probably try to get her into a location where she and your kids will be comfortable with. I'm not saying you have to put down millions of dollars i'm not saying that in one slightest iota because if you're divorcing her and she filed for it hey dog you gotta do what you gotta do she gotta do what she gotta do that's cool fine whatever but i would think you would just want to put her in a nice little situation so that your kids could be nice because the woman's gonna have the kid you're out there still on movie sets still on television sets you're doing your own thing she's gonna have to look after your teenage kids so I think you want to put her up in a nice position, in a nice home, in a nice area, to be completely honest. But again, it's all about how callous you want to be, how cold you want to be, or all about how nice you want to be. And again, I don't know him, I don't know the wife, I don't know the scenario, but I would think you would want to at least try to look after, if not your ex-wife, you want to just look after your kid and make sure they're set up in a nice location. But more information will come out with Kevin Cosner and now the ex-wife now, or soon-to-be ex, in their divorce dilemmas. And it's always so weird how this stuff would just pop out. I just wish that celebrity divorces or marriages would just stay out of the limelight. Because I understand that these actors, these musicians, the entertainers are public figures. And that kind of goes into the guide of media you can cover a public figure i get it fine cool whatever but in a situation like this where you are now hearing about a woman not leaving a home and the man has already stated that yo she needs to be out of the home i just think certain details like that need to stay in-house and not be privy to the public but since it is the public and i am going to eat it up and whenever more information comes out and which it will I'll be bringing it to you guys here, but Godspeed and best of luck to Kevin Cosner, the ex-wife, and also their teenage kids in this uh, situation. Now, next up, Conor McGregor. This week, Conor was accused of sexually assaulting a woman. Um, the woman would say that 
the assault happened on the game four of the NBA Finals, June 9th. And she would say that Connor had his security kind of block the restroom that him and she was in and she couldn't leave and uh, sexual acts happened in there, or at least tried to happen. She was forcefully able to move away off of Connor, get out of there, and she had to beg for her pocketbook back, her purse back, because it was in the bathroom from Connor's security. Okay, so that was accused from Connor, right? TMZ, they would obtain a video that shows Connor McGregor taking his rape accuser by the hand and leading her into the bathroom where she says he sexually assaulted her. And in the video, you can see McGregor wearing a black t-shirt, leaving a restroom area to speak with a woman in a white t-shirt. After appearing to exchange words with the woman, Connor grabs her by the hand and makes a path for her to go to the bathroom with him. So you have that. And then a few seconds later, the restroom door was shut with anyone else appearing to go inside. The footage would end. Now, more footage would come out and it would show the woman and Connor both having drinks roughly in half an hour or so after the woman claimed she was attacked from Connor in the restroom. Now, the woman's attorney would say that the video shows her client and McGregor were visibly awkwardly uh, interacting with each other, something she alleges the two were not doing prior to their restroom encounter. My client has always stated that there would be video uh, before and after, and in those videos, she emphasized that the difference in the interactions between them will be visibly noticeable. While Conor McGregor's attorneys have said that the footage shows what he's been claiming all along, that the allegations are false, this is just a shakedown. They will also say that the woman has changed her story multiple times and the account of the evening has never changed. So we have this here for Conor. Only thing I say right now is this. If this is a money grab, I don't like people trying to get money off of celebrities at all by accusing them of sexual assault, especially a man. Because usually always men get hit with sexual assault uh, allegations. When women get hit with it, that's always looked at, but it's never ever talked about as much as a man getting hit with that. So I want to start with that. And I want to also say that, listen, if you and Connor had something going on in the bathroom, which you guys probably could have had or you probably didn't. I don't know. I'm not in that bathroom. Uh, UFC and all the other entities that's involved with this, like the building that hosted the game four from the NBA finals. They probably got to do more uh, situation and coverage into that. Only thing I'm going to say is this. Um, I hope we get more information coming out. I hope that this either gets handled uh, quickly or thoroughly. That's the only thing I'm do hope for. So if Connor did do it, he did do it. If he didn't do it, she should be shamed for this and she should go to jail, to be honest. Someone that's accusing someone of rape and is false they should go to jail off top, and I mean that. Because being accused of rape, that's not good. That damages someone's uh, limelight if they're a public figure, and it also damages their reputation because they will always have that asterisk next to their name for being a alleged rapist. So, again, I hope the UFC, the NBA, the building, everybody does their job properly, get all the correct evidence to show that he did do it or that he didn't do it, get that done, get that settled, then hopefully everybody can go about their business. Now, speaking of NBA, NBA uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, he did give John Morant 25 games suspended for his latest gun incident. 
So he has been suspended for 25 games for the next season. And a lot of people are saying that that's probably not a lot of games for him. I don't know if that is or isn't. I don't like watching NBA like that. But, hey, I only can go by what they're giving him. But what I will say is this. I hope Ja learns from this. If he doesn't, I can see his career going away pretty quickly the next time he does something extremely stupid. If anything, he put a big old target on his back for next season once he comes back into being an NBA player for that season. So I expect the whole league basically just having their eyes locked in on John Morant because, again, he is one of those guys that people say he's up next. They put a lot of stock in him. People are saying the NBA's put a lot of stock in John Morant. So they want him to be one of their next upcoming guys to hopefully take the mantle up. I don't know the backstage politics of NBA, but I will know and say this, that John Morant, I hope that you do take some time to at least just chill out, get some actual talking to from the people that you deem worthy and also the street people that you, Ja, are trying to emulate. I hope they come and talk to you and say, yo, my dog, you got the money, you got the millions. We're trying to make millions the right way or our own style of way while you're doing it the right way by just dribbling the ball. Go out there, do what you got to do. Don't be stupid. That's what some of your older uh, people that you look up to should be telling you, and they probably are. You probably are just a young guy not wanting to pay them any attention. But hopefully somebody will knock some sense into you and will get that uh, situated with you, John Morant. But right now you got 25 games at the start of the season you'll be suspended for. So that's what it is right now with John Morant. Now on to my last official topic before I get you guys out of here is coming from Deadline. As the title will read, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle called effing grifters by Spotify executive and podcaster Bill Simmons after their split with the company. Bill Simmons, who sold the ringer to Spotify in 2020, has risen through the tech company's executive ranks. And on his Friday podcast, he would get at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and call them effing grifters. The Sussex and Spotify confirmed Thursday that they have parted ways after signing a deal reportedly worth $20 million three years ago for their production company, Archwell. The pack was part of Spotify's surge in spending on podcasting, a push including the roughly $200 million ringer acquisition. Most recently, the audio giant has scaled back and laid off staff and some divisions in emphasizing the creator economy instead of a big ticket talent though they still have joe rogan on there so i mean spotify has their business they're doing what they got to do but anywho bill simmons bill simmons would call Meghan markle and uh prince harry the effing grifters that's the podcast we should have launched with them he said i gotta get drunk one night until the story of the zoom i had with harry to try and help him with the podcast idea is one of my best stories that's what bill simmons would say on his podcast now I don't know what anybody expected out of celebrities doing podcasts, to be completely honest with you. They're only there for a limited time, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm talking about the high-profile like celebrities doing a podcast. They're not going to be there all that time, and you're not going to get episodes like concurrently as you would get from either a B-level or C-level like celebrity or even like an average person like myself like who have time to put out a podcast and sit down, talk to a microphone into some lights or whatever the crap may have you 
and video equipment and all that stuff that comes with it with podcasting if you do video formats a high level uh celebrity or a high level person in the media light is not going to do that they're going to take the money if it's offered to them and they're going to do it for a limited time and then they're out of here the obamas they're the next people that was part of the spotify like exit they're gone after their podcast was out there and i don't even know if they had podcast episodes out there the way that they were supposed to have it i mean Ugh. podcasting is not what it's cracked up to be when you really think about everything. You have to sit down, get focused, and talk into a microphone. If you're a one-person show, that's what you do, like myself. It's better if you have someone to conversate with back and forth if you're a two-person show or three-person show or four-person show. However many people, you have that type of buzz and type of energy that you can do that with if you are a show that is heavily reliable on like guests you are able to get some expertise or at least get some leeway from dropping episode to episode because you're trying to get celebrities or get a guest on your podcast you're trying to get them and you're getting that leeway because fans might understand if you tell them, hey, I'm trying to get this person, you let them know that before you drop uh, your next episode, you tell them at the end of your episode, hey, I'm trying to get this person, so it might take me a minute, so relax. Or you announce it on your social media page, and you let your fans know that. So, right here with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, I don't think they have any social media like that, to be completely honest with you. So that was already a dead. Uh, them doing a podcast... I knew that wasn't going to last long. I knew that, personally. I thought Spotify just gave them a lot of money because they were the hottest thing at the time. And for three years, you got to think about it, that was in 2020 when the pandemic just happened. And Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they were still wanting to talk about people, but it didn't hit that buzz yet until, what, 2021, whenever Pierce Morgan and all that stuff, whenever uh, Meghan and Harry had their sit-down with Oprah. That's when they should have really capitalized and got a fan base really buzzing into their stuff at that time. But, hey, people are people. They're busy. They're busy with children. And real life uh, takes a lot of time to control. And sometimes you can't control real life situation. And you just put things off on the back burner and push it off and push it off. But a podcast, you can't really do that. You got to dedicate time and energy to sit down and get it done and deliver content to your company that is paying you for your services or just for the love of it just for you to gain a fan base and just to feed the people so that's what happened here now i'm not certain if harry and uh, megan are going to get their whole money because I'm not certain how their contract worked out. I'm not certain they didn't meet the quota of how many episodes they were supposed to publish for them to get. How much was it again? Uh, $20 million? I'm not certain if that's part of their deal. If they were supposed to put out 100 episodes within the time span of this or whatever the crap may have you. I don't know. So more with that will come out if they decide to come out with that. But for Bill Simmons to call them effing grifters. No, they were just smart to take. Spotify money. That's it. A whole lot of people don't understand what podcasting is until they do it. And then once they start doing it and realizing, oh, this is what it is. Yeah, it's either you love it 
or you're just doing it for a hobby and then once you're tired like a hobby you're tired and you're done and that's just what it is so congratulations to parents harry and megan for getting whatever type of money that they got from spotify and spotify is now learning not to be giving out big budget deals to just anybody you gotta give it to someone that's really gonna be dedicated and focused on this craft and try to uh make themselves bigger and help out the company at the exact same time with their popularity so that's what's up now before i get you guys out of here it's time for shameless plugging time I want to let everyone know that my newest episode of Wrestling Highlights of the Week is out right now. Please go listen to it. I think you will enjoy it, especially if you have been watching the saga of the Bloodline on uh, Friday Night Smackdown. If you did not see it, go and watch it or just type it up on YouTube. Something big happened, which will lead off into next week. And I'm just going to say it right now. We're going to get a big major match being made official at Money in the Bank. So just let that be known because of the ending of SmackDown. So please go check that out. Again, WWE is not paying me for that. It's just me being a fan. I love wrestling that much. I will plug it freely. Now, that's what's on Saturdays. Wednesday's episode is uh, called Midweek Breakdown, where I talk about any and everything. My newest episode is out right now. And expect another episode coming out this Wednesday. And I probably might talk about a little bit of AEW Collision, because it happened last night with their debut episode. So you might get a little bit of wrestling talk on the Wednesday episode, maybe. I still haven't figured that one out yet, but I'll get to that when I get to it. Now, with the shameless plugging out of the way, I want to say thank you to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Audible, all the other podcast sites out there, because without them, I would not be able to get this episode or this uh, podcast out to you guys, the listeners. So I want to thank them for that. And I also want to thank you guys, the listeners, the downloaders, because without you guys, I would be just one guy talking into a mic, into a black void. So I want to say thank you for that. Now, always remember. I love you. I love you. I love you. I do love you all. I thank you every single week. I check out the downloads and I see where it's coming from. And I thank everyone that's downloaded episodes. I truly, truly appreciate it. I hope everybody has a great Father's Day. I hope everybody has a great Sunday. Please go into this week with positivity and hopefully positivity will come back to you in full force. Uh, you guys will hear from me again either next, well, this Wednesday if you listen to that, Saturday if you listen to that, or next Sunday if you just come and just listen to the news. So with that, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again. This has been my Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you all. Have a blessed day. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.